Hello, it's Anthony Chadwick from the Webinar Vet, welcoming you to another episode of Vet Chat, the UK's number one veterinary podcast. And I'm very honoured to have on the line uh, Ben Sweeney, who is the founder of uh, VidiVet, but perhaps even more importantly, the founder of Vet Chat, because of course, while you were working uh, together with us, that you, you actually started the podcast, we chatted about it, and you were the guy who uh, got it moving all those years ago. Yeah, it's quite weird being on the other side of the microphone, um, but it's um, yeah, it's nice. Well, it's nice to see it's still going so strong and obviously gaining such a, a following and reputation, which is nice. And to be perfectly honest, it's quite nice seeing like some really cool things that people are discussing over it. So, um, shock horror, I listen to it on a regular basis. Oh no, well, great to see you, Ben. And obviously, um, I'm not sure when this will go out, but we're sitting here on a Wednesday morning, late January trying to get ourselves organized to get down to Spiv's conference later on in the day. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, there's nothing quite like a 60 mile an hour windy day to be driving down the M6. Uh, but it's always I find Spiv's is a really good like sort of um, kickstart to the UK. Obviously, some people will have already been across at VMX in the States, but like for the UK scene, like Spivs is always my like early year tonic, almost like, you know, you, you get that touch point with your existing clients, but also like, you know, all of these new exciting businesses that are popping up and new partners, and, you know, whether that's an established business. And of course, this year, there's so many new independents that are setting up and establishing and Spivs is, of course, you know, really supported them traditionally and, you know, hopefully moving forwards in future as well. Be an exciting few days, I think. And I'll, I'll be looking forward to a lie down on Saturday afternoon. Uh, and obviously, uh, used to be down at Celtic Manor, which I always used to enjoy the drive, but Birmingham is that little bit closer for us in, in Liverpool, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's, 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 um, yeah, there was nothing quite like the epic trip to Celtic Manor, but it was quite nice when you pulled under the pillars and somebody said, can I take your bags for you? Um, but um, I think, you know, as as with many things in the modern era, like, you know, they, they move forward, they evolve. Um, and, you know, there's a new manifestation. Obviously, last year was the, uh, the first year um, of the new venue. And, and I have to say, I was really impressed with the events. Like, you know, lots of good quality talks, lots of good quality speakers. And um, let's be honest, there was a fairly good social crack as well. Um, mm. So it's, uh, yeah, it's always good fun to have a part of that for, for the, the end of January to kickstart the year. And of course, a lot of uh, change going on in the veterinary profession. Uh, I was at VMX and a lot of stands talking about AI, technology, digitalization, Vidivet, obviously at the forefront of that with uh, the telemedicine offering that you are uh, you know that you brought forward so tell us a little bit about vidivet and how that's going yeah i mean kind of vidivet was essentially born out of a frustration as many things are um not just with our profession but globally um and i, I still remember very very vividly a client coming in to me who had a nine-year-old german shepherd um and the dog had been losing weight for a period of time she'd gone on facebook she'd spoken to the breeder you know she'd spoken to everybody except the flipping vet um and they were you know i'll give him a high protein food give him this okay then you have a feel of the the abdomen and go yeah there's a nice big mass there um mm -hmm. you know and and three months has, has passed in that period of time and of course you know a, a, a tumor has progressed um and, and sadly in that case you know whilst there was short-term recovery post-operation you know the dog uh, died shortly afterwards and like for me that that was just kind of a primary example of how 
people were going elsewhere for information rather than coming to the vet. Like, you know, you cast your mind back to the nineties, the vet was the source of information, you know, that was it. Um, And that was, that was it. Now, now people are looking at the convenience elements and interestingly, like we interviewed so many people as part of the, the sort of discovery process. What fascinated me the most was how many people were actually, they were palpably aware that they didn't want to, bother the vet they didn't think it was important enough to take mm. up the vet and they, they actually much as though i think we sometimes don't think this they were aware of the plight of veterinary surgeons and didn't want to add to that burden so we ended up interviewing a load of them we said well look you know why do you do these behaviors and it's the convenience it's that sort of you know yeah i do this because of that um but we launched this of course in the aftermath of that first wave of telehealth platforms and, and always our concern and, and my personal concern with this was look a lot of these services are disintermediating the practices and cutting mm-hmm. them out of the loop um and you know as as is quite rightly every practice is concerned challenging revenues and advice and you know sort of that so for me that there was a way that we had to use telehealth as a part of that practice journey to keep the practice at the epicenter, but to deliver kind of Google-esque um, availability of veterinary expertise for the, the client. Because understandably, you know, they phone a practice, they speak to reception and reception say, the vet will phone you back. We all know what it's like in clinic. So, you know, 12 mm. hours later when you've not stopped all day and you get a chance to phone them back, they're a little miffed and that's not your fault um so we're like well okay how can we use this army of vets globally um you know we've got so many uk mrcvs vets that have decided to move for you know as, as i look out the window now for some unknown reason to warmer climates um and, and go well i've got this wealth of expertise and knowledge and and they have this drive to want to use it to help their colleagues on the front line so it was like how can we harness that in a platform that keeps the um keeps the practice central, but delivers exceptional customer experience. So it's kind of, yeah, no, no pressure. We can deliver that in a short time frame as possible. Mm. Great. And, you know, we were, we were very lucky to get our first break um, with a practice called Beaver Vets um, over Grantham May, uh, over Grantham Way. Um, so Case Bennett there came to us and was like, really like the idea of what you're doing. I'd like to use it in my practice. And that was very much our pilot. Um, very quickly followed with the likes of Powys Vets, Animal Doctors in South Wales and, and Village Vets in Formby. And and they kind of gave us our chance to prove our, our worth to clinics. And you need that. You need those early adopters to yeah. say, look, we've got a problem. We, you know, we are closed out of hours. You know, there's, there's more than half of our week where we don't have the capability to speak to our clients. Um, what can we do together? Um, and that was really our first break. And it's kind of snowballed mm-hmm. And I think you were saying, you know, you, you want Google-esque um, availability, but of course we want better quality than Google because, as you said, you know, Dr. Google is, yeah, you know, is definitely a, a source of information for people and sometimes it's just wrong, isn't it? Yeah, and that's it. And kind of the way, the way we phrase it is we put personalised, informed veterinary expertise Hmm. at the same level of convenience as a Google search. So when somebody, you know, when your clients as a practice send us a question, they can send us photos, video, text, um, and every every combination of the lot to do with any case at any time of day. And they receive a personalized video response from a, a, a vet with a minimum of five years experience in an average of less than five minutes. 
Mm. And that, you know, we aren't here to sell people stuff. We aren't here to say to people, look, you know, we want you to use this and that. That is the job of the veterinary surgeon in clinic. Mm. And that, that was what was the biggest issues with other services mm. was, you know, upselling and selling other things. Like we want our vets to purely triage advice and inform mm. um, and be that top of funnel for your clinic. So when cases come in, you know that you're seeing cases that truly need to be there, but actually they might turn up with a fecal sample or a urine sample. You know, we've all been in that consult where we send someone home to get something and you never get the sample back or they turn up and they want bloods, they want imaging because actually that that seed has been planted. You know, what we don't do is turn around and say, right, oh yeah, we think you need a T4, TSH. Um, we go, your vet might want to discuss some bloods with you. Um, mm. All about that, what we've called the pre-vet journey, you know, that thing that we all wish clients knew before they came into our consult room so they're calmer they're more focused they understand a bit more of the process so it improves our efficiency in the consult but also frankly we're not seeing cases that aren't revenue generating or that you know take up time and bandwidth that mean our vets aren't getting a break um you know we know that out of hours over 90 percent of the questions that we get asked out of hours don't need to go into the emergency vets and that, that yeah. works for everybody because it means you've not got an overworked emergency team that are dealing with 10 cases that actually could wait till tomorrow for a jab of Metacam. Other NSAIDs are available and indeed monoclonals nowadays. Um, but like, you know, the, there's there's that availability, but actually enhancing the customer experience when they go, oh, great, okay, I've got peace of mind. I know I don't need to go to the emergency vets. I can yeah. pop into my normal vet tomorrow and see the vet that I know. And my yeah. dog goes into an environment when they're less stressed and I'm not panicking trying to find the place in the middle of the night that's an hour away. Um, so really, we feel it caters to everybody. It keeps the practice at the centre. It delivers an exceptional customer experience without putting the client, uh, putting the in-house team under additional pressure. Um, and it, you know, it, it serves the out-of-hours teams as well because it means they can focus on the cases that truly need their care. Um, but again, I'm a little bit biased. But I was going to say, Ben, you know, when... I kind of started that whole digitalization journey in 2010 and I, I spoke to vets similarly and said, you know, what's your biggest frustration? It was one of them, you know, top three would have definitely been, it's really difficult to get your education. You know, we have to go off and travel um, either at the end of an evening surgery or for a few days. It's incredibly expensive. A lot of the traditional companies were charging a lot for training. You know, when I when I started webinar vet, I reckoned it cost me five thousand pounds to do my training. Um, you know, move forward fifteen years, and you can pretty much, if you want to, get all your training online for free. Obviously, quality wise, you know, you want to make sure you're going and looking at the top quality stuff. But moving forward ten years, almost to the beginning or just before the pandemic, when I was ringing vets up, they were saying you know, what's your biggest problem? They weren't saying there's not enough online education because, of course, by that stage, other people had come into the market. And actually what they were saying was, I have a five-vet practice and I only have three vets in it. Yeah. And one of the answers is obviously, well, let's find you two vets. But actually the other answer is, well, let's, you know, actually uplift the veterinary technician or the veterinary nurse. You can tell I've just been to America, can't you? <laughs> uh, you know, so uplift the, the the technician and the nurse, but also what can we do digitally? So, you know, over that time, we've had tools like PetSat come out, iRecall, to be able to use those to free up time because these things are automated. But similarly, as you've said, if you've got somebody in the background tri triaging for you and telling you, actually, you don't need to come into the practice or you absolutely do need, 
you should end up with with more time. And so maybe the more um, tricky uh, answer to the question is, well, how can you actually run a five vet practice with three vets and run it really efficiently and, yeah. uh, you know, with greater productivity and probably greater profit? And this is where I think services like yours really, you know, fit into that equation. I think, you know, the buzzword in practice or the buzz terminology in practice at the moment is operational efficiency. And quite rightly yeah. so, you know, as a as a profession, we have traditionally had an awful lot of waste. Um, and, I think, you know, we we look at stuff and go, well, I don't have time to do this. Um, and and invariably, we do have time to do things. We just don't do everything efficiently enough mm. to go need to do this this and this better um yeah. or you know more efficiently and i think you know when you look at you know the business case for these things obviously we charge based on the size of the practice the number of client base and so on and so forth whereas actually employing somebody is quite a significant expense especially with enough expertise to you know deliver on as a as an educated veterinary nurse as a veterinary surgeon you know they're, they're quite a high expense even an additional receptionist nowadays you know you're looking at potentially an expense of a couple of grand a month um and i think it's looking at kind of going not just having more bodies but using the bodies we have better and looking after them more by by assisting you know you've alluded to you know the likes of um, pets, app, I recall, digital practice, another great one. You think actually, you know, when you can WhatsApp somebody their bill, save your receptionist spending 10 minutes on the phone. Um, great opportunity to, and you know, let's face it, as a client, I'm much more inclined to click on a link and just go, right, yeah, I'll pay that now, job done. Yeah. You know, it's a really interesting thing, and it's where this asynchronous communication has really come to the fore in a sad way. For many things, we're becoming a disjointed society. Um, and that boils down to the convenience, but equally by doing the things that are convenient and necessary in a much more operationally efficient manner allows us to do the things that truly require that face-to-face -face personal touch points and, and you know, um, uh, intimacy better and more efficiently and deliver that except. So by having all of these tools that cater to the clinic and to the client base and to the team, it means that those critical points, you know, that euthanasia that takes half an hour rather than 20 minutes doesn't derail your entire day. Mm. Um, and I think that's where, you know, there is there is huge opportunity for our profession um, to do the stuff that really requires us to be personal yeah. and intimate really well. And that is what sets us apart. You know, you look at all of these digital businesses Digital can only ever, in my mind, augment physical veterinary services. Mm. Like, you cannot replace that feeling. And, you know, again, any of us as clinicians have been in that room where the hairs on the back of your neck stand up for good and bad reasons. Mm. Um, and I think for me, like being an additional arm that allows people to, to get that great thing out of being a vet and being a vet nurse and being part of a veterinary team is just so... Well, frankly, it's humbling um, because you said that thing, you know, you, you're, a, you're an element of something that enables people to do what we do best brilliantly. And that's the bit that the client remembers. I remember, you know, I was talking about certainly five to 10 years ago about every business needs to be a digital business, be it a butcher, baker, candlestick maker or a veterinary surgery. 
And in fact, I remember Brendan Burchard, who's a, a famous internet marketer, talking about use digital tools. You know, the more digital tools you can use, the better, because a lot of these tasks that digital tools are doing are frankly boring. Mm. And what we're very good at, and I know you were mentioning it in the VBJ recently, is, and I think, you know, whether AI comes in and all the digital tools that come in, as far as I'm aware, no computer can empathize. And actually, we need those skills. We need to have the time, as you've said, to be able to do those skills. And I think the other side was all of that kind of me talking about being a digital business, in a sense, kind of I wasn't that persuasive but I tell you what the little tiny um, coronavirus was very persuasive and I think that has helped you know you and your business because five years ago when or four years ago when the pandemic started and people were saying to me you know have you heard of Zoom and I said well we've been using it for about six years (laughs) now everybody knows what Zoom is now everybody's very happy to do you know a Zoom call either as a, a client or business to business so that digital transformation has happened as a kind of silver lining of the COVID pandemic, hasn't it? Yeah, and, and I think, you know, for us, COVID was really a, you know, when we started speaking to practices, you know, they were like, well, you know, we're doing this in-house ourselves and we really hate it. So actually COVID was initially a bit of a barrier because practices had gone, well, look, video stuff, all of this stuff is, you know, it doesn't work in practice. Um, yeah. And I vehemently agree (laughs) because actually when you're trying to do that alongside doing all of your clinical stuff it's incredibly you know we touched on it earlier inefficient um but actually when you've got somebody you know a team of trusted colleagues that have your back delivering that outside of it that can really help drive business profitability client experience and and team well-being um you know we, we all know how teams really suffered through covid and actually really is still that you know there's a lag post covid still um and i think you know as you say all of these tools that can pull things together that just help little elements no digital tool is ever going to be the fix Mm. like the fix is the veterinary practice um and it's kind of like you know it's kind of what what bits the constituent parts isn't it you know like the, the practice is the epicentric part that is very much the beating heart of of what clients know um mm. but it, what tools can we use to keep that practice at the epicenter like you know how can i send my reminders how can i do this how can i do that um you know do my clients even know about this you know you, you and i are in liverpool there was a case yesterday um of two dogs that had eaten something and, and died very suddenly and of yeah. course you, you see it on the news but actually for clients to have the ability to communicate immediately to their client base in that area guys just so you know this has been made aware to us this is the symptoms that you're looking out for these are what you want to be aware yeah. of like it's a huge step forward for us as a profession yeah. If you've got a concern, we're here. If you can't get through to us on the phone, use Vidivet. If you can't do that, then, you know, if we haven't, there's tools that you can use. Use Pets app, use digital practice, use our Facebook messenger. Like there's tools that everyone can pull together and it's some put burden on the in-house team. Some send stuff people that, you know, there's there's a way that all practices can utilize what, what we've now, you'll be aware that in, in business, we in, in the tech world, we talk about our tech stack. Um, and we very much talk about our vet stack. Like, what is my veterinary business? Is my stack of services? And that goes right the way through from, you know, my, my wholesaler 
through to my PMS, right through to what peripheral services am I using, you know, to, to keep me in the loop so that I can support my clients as best as I can. And mm. clients talk more now than they ever have. I mean, we've got, I, I, I'm a part of a few different groups purely out of curiosity to see how people communicate and the practices do stuff well. Um, they're revered. You know, like as soon as somebody asks something like, go to this practice, why? Because they do this, 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 and this for us. And those are the practices that will really thrive and succeed in the future. Yeah. Um, well, you have to be a digital business, I think, is, you know, if you're not a digital business, maybe you haven't survived COVID, but you're not going to keep up if you're not taking these things on. Just moving a little bit, because we're talking a lot about, you know, whether practices really need, because there's an emergency or, or, you know, you're triaging the stuff that, you know, isn't that, well, isn't that urgent anyway? Um, obviously, looking at digitalization, and I think we mentioned it around sending out uh, reminders and things, that whole area of the pet health plan, I think, is is also going to be affected by by this as well because with my sustainability hat on and, and also with my hand up saying, I am sorry, um, you know, as a dermatologist, I was very keen on making sure everybody had flea treatment and we know now that some of these products are ending up in rivers causing issues around sustainability uh, I actually um, did the first as far as we were the first pet health plan in the UK in 1999 that Julian Wells's practice was kind of first but I got mine I sold my first policy he was before me <laughs> and I moved quickly and sold one and you know one of our favorite lecturers Mike Willard <laughs> Um, with that beautiful text and draw that he has, he used to say, you know, all of everything I taught you 10 years ago was a lie. I just didn't realize. So <laughs> again, that sort of pet health plan almost needs to develop with things like Vidivet maybe as a service, but also more diagnostics around, well, don't treat the fleas unless they're there, unless you've got a really allergic dog or cat. And similarly, you know, maybe you don't need to worm let's do a fecal egg count before we push on and, and give you some um, you know worming tablets and the like yeah i mean i think you know the the pet health plan realistically hasn't evolved for 20 years and, and look that's mm. until now it really hasn't been a problem it's been sort of something that's there for practices but i think you know we're starting to see the evolution of even you know health plan only practices, exactly. you know, practices that unless you are a member of our plan then you're not, you know, you, there's other vets available sort of mentality. You look at garden vets, you look at... Um, uh, I've got to give a shout-out to village vets. Uh, you beat me to it. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> a shout-out. You look at village vets, you look at Walton vets, we'll put the Scousers up there. Um, yeah. uh, and, you know, there's, there's you know, what is it, um, Pickles in London. And, yeah. you know, there's, there's evidence now. There was one that tried it a while ago that didn't succeed. Um and I think, you know, when you're doing a, a, a policy only practice, you've got to really look at your, your local demographic. Yeah. Um, you know, is it the right place to have this practice? Personally, I think, you know, there's a lot of practices that are doing the right thing at the minute, because I think if you're opening a practice, it's easy to start as health plan only. But if you've got an existing client base, it's very difficult to then turn around and go, right, guys, we're now a health plan only practice. Yeah. Um, so people are easing people across that. But traditionally, of course, health plans were 
kind of product-based and mm. discount-based, but the last I checked, really, neutering, unless you've done something monumentally wrong, is a once-in-a-lifetime discount. Um, you know, dentals are something that are used sporadically. Um, so there were kind of things that were there, but we didn't necessarily want people to use. Uh, but it was like, you know, if you're on this, you're saving this in theory. And of course, you, you talk about the flea and wormers. I think they will remain a mainstay for the while, but it's good to see how the products are, involve, are evolving. Um, and again, you look at that from a sustainability point of view, it's great to see that they are considering how we provision these um, for practices. Mm-hmm. But you rightly point out, you know, one great example of AI is, you know, the, the likes of the Zoetis Imagist. I know IDEX have got some cool stuff in terms of their diagnostic in-house AI tools. And of course, what that means for us as clinicians, client turns up to a, you know, a six-month health check, brings a fecal sample. We can run something through a thing. By the time that consult is finished, we've got a result. Yeah. Um, that, that efficiency... Rather than sending something away to the lab and waiting two days for a result and then having to get the client back, you know, you've got great services like our vet shop that have home delivery. You know, you've got all of these buying groups that have got home delivery as part of their health plans, you know, Merlin Vet Cell, Covetris, that everyone's doing it. And that's great because it's reducing the carbon footprint of our veterinary experience while still keeping the practice at the epicenter. And you'll notice a recurring theme. Um, But for me, it's like how can we evolve our practices from just being product-based to being product and service-based so you're starting to see practices including all of their consultations one really interesting use case we found is that because people are using all-inclusive consultations understandably the team's concern is well everyone's just going to come in all of the time and actually it will be non-revenue generating consultations so quite a few practices have been using Vidivet as that pre-consult screen. Does this need to come in? Is this is this mm. a warranted physical consult? So that when I come in, yeah. I know that my consultation is going to be revenue generating. You know, will the client mm. turn up with a fecal sample? Will they turn up with a urine sample? Um, things that I can do there and then and give them an instant report. You know, I've got a dog that's slightly off at mm. seven years old. And, and digitally their advice yet yeah, do you know what bring in a urine sample with you we can do a dipstick while you're here mm-hmm. and then we can decide on the basis of that what we need to do further clients it's really interesting if you charge them for a consult and they leave and there's, you know your pet's fine there's almost a begrudging of paying for something yeah. whereas actually if you go well i'll tell you what your consult's free but you're paying the same as you would have paid for a consult for a dipstick there's this, the vet did this, and that's given me peace of mind because I've literally seen that yeah. something's okay with my pet. It's, it's a fascinating psychology. Um, and for me, the health plan is growing in importance because especially in those traditionally quiet months for the practice where we've got that revenue guaranteed coming in and you're seeing practices that have kind of, you know, our UK average is around 25, 30% of the minute. Practices have really got this thing at the moment that we want to drive up to 50% of our client base. Some practices, village vets as an example, are pretty much 100% health plan practices. Um, And that works, you know, it works as a model. Um, But I think, you know, practice have to decide their own philosophy on what they're wanting to do. But as we say, that evolution of the plan to involve more and more service Mm. Is, is very much on the rise. I mean, we've got over 100 clinics using Vidivet as part of their health plans now uh, because it's a value add. They can now yeah. turn around and say, well, look, you know, we've, we're adding in a service that's worth over £100 a year into our plan. Therefore, your plan savings aren't £200. 
they're 300 pounds a year mm. you know you saw um vets for pets they've included um their 24 7 phone line service as part of their health plan um and again it's all just little touches that is if you're going to bring about a price increase in your plan your churn rate is going to be lower when you're not just taking the price up but taking the price up at the introduction of a new product um you know you're going to reduce that opportunity for churn from your plan because there's stuff that they get here that they don't get elsewhere and it, again it's all provided by their practice so the clients are grateful to as, as you said is bringing the practice very yeah. much into the center where obviously a lot of people you know we, we sometimes worry that we're not liked by clients but consistently trust wise you know the trust categories pharmacists opticians yeah. vets are right there at the top politicians somewhat lower <laughs> yeah to say to say the least practices are loved and like you know the the amount of you know reviews that we see through practices you know again vet help direct prime example you know this positivity around practices yeah i think we very much focus on the doom and gloom as a profession and look you know yeah. Times are dark across the globe, not just in the veterinary world. Um, but actually, you know, we are we are for ninety nine percent. Yeah, you know, there's the, there's the one client every now and then that you just think you've ruined my year. You in you alone have ruined my year. But ninety nine percent of our clients love us, adore us, and value us. And that mm. is the critical word. Like they value us, they value our expertise, they value our time, they value our insight. Um, you know, yeah, of course they begrudge. A bill but who doesn't like you know mm-hmm. i have, to have my wife's car repaired and i love i love my mechanic he's done wonders with our car it's 14 years old now but equally um like you do look at it and think well i'm still begrudged to hand you 500 quid um you know that that's the nature of commercial society but of course if you can roll as many of those costs into a monthly provision then it makes that individual hit every now and then much more sort of nullified well digital stuff is one of the biggest reasons that people have stayed stuck to their insurance companies you know because oh well i value this service from my insurance company um there's no reason that vet practices can't do the same to add to that stickiness of the clinic and it's all about how can i make my clinic ultra sticky to every single client that i have Mm -hmm. and as i said earlier not no one tool will do that you as a clinic and your you know your global provision for your clients that's what does that Ben, I thought we would chat for a while and not have a problem with the conversation. Um, I'm conscious we're 30 minutes in. We could talk at least for another half an hour, which will mean that it will it will probably be close to midnight when we get to spit. So I am going to let you go, but thank you so much. I think it's really interesting how the market and, and how the veterinary profession is evolving, becoming more digital, becoming should we say, a little less conservative in the way it looks at things as well. Uh, so it's been great having you on as the founder of Vet Chat as well, as as well as Vidivet. No, thank you very much for having me. As I say, it's exciting. I'm sure we can continue our chat at Spivs at the bar. Exactly. Good man. Great to see you, Ben. And who knows, we might even talk about football as well. <laughs> yeah, not as an Everton fan. <laughs> Good to see you, Ben. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Hopefully, see you on a podcast or a webinar very soon. This has been uh, Vet Chat from the Webinar Vets. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye.